Hey, everybody. Online courses. If you have been online and been served ads about creative entrepreneurship, you've been told, hey, you should be teaching an online course. Teaching online is so good. Well, today I am talking to a person who is a professional online teacher in a little bit of a different way. Richard Molina Weber teaches Dungeons and Dragons online to kids. And over the last year, this has become his full-time job. Uh, Melina Weber, that sounds familiar. That's right. This is my husband. He sat and talked to me about how Kickstarter, designing fan content for Dungeons and Dragons, being a DM, being a math teacher, all of this came together to create him a full-time job just as the world was shutting down. So I hope you enjoy this interview. And welcome to Fan Funded with Laser. I am Laser. The goal of this podcast is to help you build an audience full of true fans who are actually excited to support your art. Today, my special guest is Richard Molina Weber, who last year launched the Academy of Adventures, academyofadventures.com. Hey, you beautiful creator. Let's get right into it, shall we? Hi, Richard. And welcome to the podcast. Hello. Welcome How are you? to our living room. I know we're here. <laughs> so, Richard, what is the Academy of Adventures? Whoa. Um, the Academy of, of Adventures is my summer camp and after school program that I run uh, teaching kids how to play D&D online. And it is the thing you do. I know because I, I live with you, but <laughs> you listen to it. <laughs> um, was this an intentional career choice or sort of what what was the career path that led you to this job that you have now? Wow. Yeah. Now it's basically it's full time. This is what I do. And it was not something I planned on at all. There just there there came a moment when it was kind of clear that, you know, just after doing so many summer camps and teaching and things like that, and I'm not doing that anymore. But uh, I like kids doing things for kids is fun. Yeah. And then quarantine happened and it was like, I I know that kids don't have outlets. They just can't do the same things. They can't go to their cool D&D camps or clubs. Yeah. And uh, so why not run? A summer camp, give them something to look forward to since they're stuck inside. And then that's just stuck off from there. Yeah, it's it's basically this kind of niche that you're so situated right in the middle of, of yeah. like you were a middle school and high school math and physics teacher mm -hmm. for 10, 10 years, 13 years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and Gotta then the other three. And you launched the Academy Adventures on Kickstarter, but mm -hmm. this actually wasn't your first Kickstarter, right? No, no. It was just a very, Kickstarter is a very comfortable place, and so I felt safe launching it there. Okay. <laughs> Why is Kickstarter a comfortable place for you? Tell me about your first Kickstarter. Well, my first Kickstarter was, again, kind of a thing that was spur of the moment. That's what I like to do, is uh -huh. just come up with an idea and make it happen. And the first one was for this puzzle key ring. It was like a bunch of different cards kind of all put together. Like you'd get a little deck of cards and each one had a code on them, like a code alphabet and kind of teach you how to do stuff like read semaphore or Morse code or those kind of things. And I put it up on Kickstarter because they were announcing, I think it was the first time they did their make 100 campaign. Yeah. And so it was really. Which like, is a thing Kickstarter does. They do a yeah. few campaigns that they want people to make small projects mm -hmm. they really encourage people when you first launch a kickstarter to do something kind of digestible so that right. you don't get too carried away and don't end up finishing it so they yeah, yeah. they have these make 100 like 
what's a thing you can make a hundred of? And you launched this. Yeah. I honestly forgot that that was your first Kickstarter. It was. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I'd studied them for a long time before that, like reviewing them on podcasts and things. So I'm familiar with the Kickstarter idea, but it was like taking that leap to actually make one. It took kind of a, a major constraint. Mm-hmm. And so my plan was to just make a hundred of these things because I figured that's all people would want. Yeah. And then I talked to some very smart people and they said, make like a fancy version and only have a hundred of those and then like make a regular version that's kind of unlimited. So there was a, a make 100 kind of a luxury puzzle project. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. And again, like you have so many things that you're so passionate about, but games, especially the puzzle side mm-hmm. of of games and like the Sherlock-y kind of. Yeah. Vibe and the the salt, the Da Vinci Code. You love the Da Vinci Code. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's um, not true, but um, uh. <laughs> sorry. You love National Treasure. National Treasure. That's right. You, you, I dedicated my detective book to the, the wonderful host of uh, this podcast <laughs> and the lead character of National Treasure. Um, so yeah, and then the second Kickstarter was the thing that led you to be able to quit the or forced you to quit your day job as you were doing some, I guess, almost full time teaching at a private mm-hmm. school. Yeah, when your spouse made you move to California and you no longer had <laughs> a, a teaching credential down here. Uh-huh, right. Talk to us about that, and then that kind of transition to being a full time creator and how that became Academy of Adventures. Like, <laughs> yeah. So let's see. So I kept making things for like projects for. Dungeons and Dragons on the DMs Guild. And again, it was a a self-publishing platform where you could use their IP and they would, you know, put it in a place. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a very cool way to like write adventures or write little books. And I had a lot of fun doing that. And I decided I wanted to make my own and kind of like jump in and do something bigger. Yeah. And I could have done it on the Guild, but what I wanted to do is kind of leverage. The Guild is like a store for the most part. And I wanted to get more people involved. It's very insular. Kickstarter has like discovery and all sorts of tools that I think generates a broader audience. I agree. So I went for it. (laughs) Yeah. So you launched this book, Empyrean Investigations, Mm -hmm. which is, again, brings your love of puzzles Mm -hmm. and your love of Dungeons and Dragons together. Yeah. Yeah. Very much like my own style of project. And it was really fun. I liked making it. It ended up being, I think, like, 87 pages. It's got adventures. It's got player stuff. It's got, you know, all the things I wanted to put in there. Mm-hmm. And in the end, what it made 20,000, I think just over 20,000. It was pretty incredible for for a project. I mean, you know, putting something on DMs Guild, I'm making $300, you know, on a good, good project. So this was this was huge. Yeah. Yeah. I have all sorts of pictures of like boxes full of books. You remember. <laughs> you got to publish your own book. Uh-huh. Talk a little bit more about that. Like, what do you attribute specifically the difference in success of a project on DMs Guild, which is if people are just completely outside of this world, I will translate this in a way that's probably insulting to you. But it's kind (laughs) of a way that creators can make kind of like their own fan content for Dungeons and Dragons and get paid for it, Mm -hmm. which is the same as like all of us are making a lot of stuff and putting it up on the Internet and trying to sell it. The difference between that and then full on launching a project on Kickstarter. Like obviously for you, the difference there was $300 and $20,000. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think goes into that difference from like the audience perspective and from your perspective, I guess, of why does that happen? I think one of the big differences and the reasons that I like Kickstarter so much is because it is this 
it's a momentous event, right? You're not just, you're not just backing someone's book. It's like the event of the book. And so you're getting, you're getting updates. You're part of a community. You know, you can talk to people about it. It's kind of this community based on a creator's vision rather than that book I made that you can buy for a dollar on the DMs Guild. Yeah. The campaign style is really different. It's, it's just asking people to back an experience rather than just the thing, I guess. I know you get the thing in the end, but (laughs) Kickstarter promises more than that. And I think that's really fun. And so there was, you know, watching the campaign grow and being able to kind of tailor things to who is part of the campaign a little bit, you know, see what do you want updates about? Like, what can I tell you about? What can I share about my vision for this project? Here's the teaser images like, oh, I just got this new art. It's really good. And I like following along projects like that. I like doing it on my own. I do it for, you know, all the projects I back. I read those dang updates. Yeah, (laughs) you are that nerd. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, a a Kickstarter for like to translate it into marketing terms, it kind of forces creators to create a full month launch (laughs) like for Mm -hmm. a product, which you could do off of Kickstarter. You could spend a month launching your music album or your book, but people kind of get tired of doing that. And additionally, just having the goal on a Kickstarter of like, we're all fighting for this one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of great. So Let's go back to the Academy of Adventures. Okay. Because it's so great. You're teaching, and there are kids who already know how to play Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. You're yeah. playing Dungeons and Dragons with kids. What all goes into this job that you have created for yourself? <laughs> okay, so so there's two parts. Like I think the the summer camp right now is a Kickstarter campaign, and I'm currently setting up the next one. Yeah. Right. I like that because it gets so many people from outside the community, gets them all together. And that's where I can do things like teach people how to play or teach people how to, you know, run games themselves. And then at the end of the summer camp last year, that transitioned into the after school program, which has just been a long campaign, like year long. You know, your kids get to play in my brain world and that's it. So these kids are like building their proficiency all the way through and doing the things I wanted them to, which is also learn social skills, work together, problem solve, stuff like that. So my job is to have a whole bunch of Zoom calls with kids, first of all. That's a, a nightmare scenario already. Good work, all you teachers out there doing that every single day. <laughs> well, I, I it's mean, hard. it's a cool job. It but... is. Uh, it's just, it's, yeah, Tricky has some tech issues. I know. Getting that set up, like getting those links sent out to to my players, to my players' parents, actually. So there's like another level of communication. Organizing everyone into all their sessions. There's, there's a lot of admin that just goes into it. It's, uh, I don't know, the boxy part of the job. And then it's coming up with my campaign world from there. Like, where are they all going to be? What's the story going to be like? Writing adventures that are exciting for a younger audience, making sure kids have agency and can do like cool kid things. I mean, it's reacting. Yeah, it's, I to know that. you do a lot of work making sure kids get to have pets in yes. their D&D yes. games, which huh. seems to be what they're mostly interested in. So, yeah. So there's the showing up on the day. Yeah. And. You said it was night a nightmare, but I think what you mean by that is it's, it's Zoom is a nightmare. Yeah, Our Zoom, online world is yeah managing personalities of children. Yeah. I know you refuse to mute kids, which I, I won't think, do it. Um, so it's you know it's it's managing kids and managing mm-hmm. personalities, and I think you love it. I do. Um, <laughs> but there's so much more than just showing up on the day. There's all the mm-hmm. emails and all the you run an online store all by yourself. I do. Yeah, my Square store for the academy. So it's. I have to update that every few months with like the upcoming seasons, making sure that uh, that I am marketing to my audience and saying the new season is available. Seats are there. Go ahead and start backing those, so, you know, get your spot before it's too late. 
And then there's the so, actual creating the content. And then there's the creating the content the, and then running it. And then at the end of it, like, you know, when I write this week's adventure and then I run that adventure, it's kind of deciding if I want to do something else with that because I, I wrote an adventure and then I ran it like 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, in the game design world, that's fantastic. So for this next Kickstarter, I am going to adapt one of those seasons into an adventure as kind of like the base level pledge. Oh, cool. That people can. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Yep. Do you have like a mission or a general goal that kind of leads you as you think about your effect on the kids that you work with and the content that you're making and the, you know, the adventures and the, and all of that? Yeah. A lot of it is really, it's based around, and this was my goal the whole time, I suppose, making sure that these kids are getting the engagements that they are missing because they're at home. You know, I know a lot of them are transitioning back into like hybrid schools and we talk about that, but. It is a place with no complications. It is open to these students. They get to show up. They get to collaborate. That's a big deal uh, in this creative place. It needs to be a space that is open for creative bits. I, you know, it's we we talk about like um, when someone has an idea, not just shutting it down or, or ignoring them, but but also kind of like hearing that and listening to it and kind of building on it. And I try to do that in my adventures a little bit, like make sure that if someone tells me something about their character one week, maybe a couple of weeks later, that thing will come back in just to kind of reward them for being open and creative and honest about what they want out of the game. I mean, there's there's a lot of bits, but that was not a mission statement. That no, was that's like... great. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> that community and that mm-hmm. interaction. Absolutely. How many students do you have at a time and do you have a sense of where they're coming from, like how they're finding you? <laughs> Let's see, I have a cap at 50 students for the after school program at a time. And usually I'm running in between, I would say 35 and 45. I haven't hit the cap ever, but uh, but we got pretty close one season. Yeah. <laughs> Each session is hopefully a max of five students, but usually in between four and six. And they are split in between two different time zones. So we've got our Pacific group and our Eastern group. Uh, so I run those since I'm in Pacific time. One of them goes from one to three and the other goes from four to six. Do you have a sense of where they're coming from? Using targeted Facebook ads got us some folks at the start. A lot of them came from the camp itself and have just stuck with it the whole time. I have most of my students this season have been here for at least one season already. Yeah. Um, many they just more keep than coming that. back. They, yeah. They, they want to be part of the story, which is perfect. Yeah. So I have a good continued audience at this point. I had really good discoverability for the Kickstarter campaign. A lot of folks got in on that. And I'm really excited for that to happen again, because I, I certainly can't teach my kids right now how to learn to play D&D. Because yeah, they've they, got it covered. They already know. So. How did you decide on your age range? That's a good question. I mean, when I worked at summer camps, that was the main age range for kids going to camp. I mean, I, I worked 11 at, to 15. Yeah. Scout camps were like 11 to 18. Uh, I worked at this camp in South Carolina that was like 8 to 16, I think. And I am certainly more comfortable with that range. I mean, that, that's the range where kids are, I don't know, they're just they're just ready to be open and creative. Like I teaching a <laughs> teaching an age is 11 to 15, like theater camp, I think would be so wild because it would just it would just be this endless nonstop energy. And if kids are getting into it, then it ends up being like this positive place. I yeah. mean, there's. For the most part, the the kids are not super cynical about the activities. 
that we have at those age ranges that can change a little bit later. I don't know. It doesn't have to, you know, yeah. it's just a, it's a good spot. If I make the age range too broad, then kids are in there with kids that they wouldn't interact with normally. Yeah. But the school I taught at for 10 years down in Portland was we were ages or grades, I suppose, six to 12. And it was great. It was great. It was great. But you would see that like middle school group stick together and the high school group stick together. Cool. So, yeah, it's just the group that you are most excited about yeah, working with. They're so good. It's so open. It's so great. They work well together. Even if we have 11 and 15 year olds, their experiences are close enough that it's not too wild. I did have a day where someone got excited that uh, their parents had gotten them a debit card oh, for the wow. first time. And everybody else was like, what's what? <laughs> <laughs> So what are some unexpected tasks and obstacles, I guess, things that you'd never thought you would have to be dealing with that you're dealing with because this career has sprung itself upon you? I think one of the things is that I have to work with like a number of different companies at this point. Oh, I, I was kind of used to, you know, when I'm teaching, it's just me. I'm doing my thing. It's great. But like now I have to work through Zoom to get the kids all into the room together. All of our campaigns use D&D Beyond. So I have a really great subscription level from them because I needed so many campaigns to run for all my kids. You know, I've got like 10 of them at once or whatever. And so dealing with that, making sure like that content is updated, that they have all the things they need there. uh, That's all a big deal. We use Hero Forge so that they can build their characters and, and see what they look like and show them off to each other. So there's just a lot of like system stuff. So Square, you have an email Square. List. Oh yeah, email. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wasn't even getting into that stuff. Yeah, I was just thinking about my day-to-day. And you to ship stuff out. Yeah. When your spouse lets you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many little like just so many services that I need to run this whole thing and I kind of there's a part of me that wishes there was just one, but I'm the only customer I think for that right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. You know, yeah. I've thought about transitioning to something like Roll20 which is a gaming platform that it has content, it has video chat, or it has voice chat, it has all those things kind of in there. Mm. But because it has everything, it's a little bit too complicated. I want things that are just easy and manageable for kids, and there's a lot of platforms that do that individually, so I just have to bring them all together myself. Gotcha. What are some unexpected opportunities that have come up over the last couple of years because of what you've been doing? Yeah, there was... Quite a bit of excitement about the initial Kickstarter campaign. I remember there were a few articles that were focused on the fact that, yeah, yeah, there is going to be a, a camp for kids to do online in their homes. And it's about D&D, which kids love. I mean, everyone loves D&D. Yeah. <laughs> everyone loves having something to do social outside of just your family during quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it kind of picked up some interest because of that. There were some very cool interviews. Have I ever been on the news before? I don't know. It was on NBC. It was great yeah, <laughs> talking yeah, about yeah. it. That was fun. And yeah, now that it's it's leading up into this summer, it's already getting back into a couple more interviews, things like that. So I think the project is is still going to have legs in this next Kickstarter. And we'll see, you know, if it keeps going. I'm kind of it's weird that we're, we're doing this at all, you know, honestly. <laughs> so I don't know how long it's going to go, yeah. but uh, but it's fun. So other than the school or this camp that you do, what are the other like revenue streams of the Richard Molina Weber life? <laughs> My empire. You've run another Kickstarter. You've oh, you yeah. done all kinds of stuff. I, <laughs> I got so excited about this upcoming Kickstarter. I'm fulfilling one like right now that we just wrapped up what, like three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm still trying to work on writing adventures and doing game design. I wrote a, a series of essays for 
Lone Shark Games, Game Theory and the Age of Chaos Kickstarter that they did. That was in October last year, I think. I did a little one for Zine Quest because, again, little short Kickstarters, I think, are really fun. And so that one, we were talking about this. We decided to do the Kickstarter, I think, in late January. The Kickstarter ran for two weeks at the end of February. And we were planning to have it shipped out of this apartment by the end of April. Cool. Like full campaign from like coming up with the whole idea to completing the whole thing. Uh, just about three months. That's awesome. <laughs> and then you still do a little commission puzzle designing yep. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's enough that people keep sending me full time job requests for like puzzle design. And I like I have this cool full time job right now. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> you have a gig. I do have a gig. So what if you could change anything like either magic wand or hire somebody to do part of it? If you had enough money, like what would you change about this gig? <laughs> Let's see. This is this is a question I have to think about, because if there's no way at the moment that this project can get bigger because I have to run it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm the one sitting in the chair running these adventures. I have had some times last year. There were three weeks in particular, which I remember very well, where I tried to run three sessions a day. Yeah. It's just like six hours of solid storytelling and it was too much. It was way too much. So, you know, if it gets bigger, I have to actually do like hiring and outsourcing and also trusting someone else to like do this thing that I'm doing, which is not a thing that we do very much or very well. So yeah, that's the biggest thing is uh, I would like to magically have these three people, let's say, I don't know who who could do this. <laughs> yeah. I'm writing up job applications today and it's oh, job descriptions. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, and ooh, uh, my standards are quite high because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's working with kids, so they can't be low. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would be the biggest thing. You know, honestly, the sources that I'm using for everything, they're, they're really working out really well. I mean, holy cow, I wish I had an assistant to do the admin for me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah. someday. What would you never change about what you do? Someone mentioned that I need to get far enough that I am just overseeing it, that I'm not actually working with the kids. I'm just teaching people how to do it. And then, you know, I have 50 counselors or whatever at any time running this thing. And that would be sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's the same thing when any teacher ends up moving into an administrative position. It's It seems like the goal for every teacher, but knowing most like, no, uh-uh. yeah. <laughs> teachers like to teach. So uh, I would make sure that I was never like actually out of it. But yeah, we'll see if that happens because if things start moving, you know, if everybody starts getting outside a little bit more, well, they'll still be in for D&D once a week. <laughs> yeah, possible. It's yeah. possible everybody still has some time for D&D. I think they probably do. <laughs> so this really fits into a thing that a bigger trend, and I don't know how aware you are of this, of like everybody wants to teach online right now, like tr- oh, launching yeah. online mm-hmm. courses and launching online schools and like this thing that you've made, even though it's like, so intuitively naturally grown out of who you are as a person, like a teacher and a D&D person, but like, it's so brilliant. And like, from a marketing perspective, your niche is just so smart, especially right now, like D&D is huge and learn to play D&D content mm-hmm. is such a good idea, especially like at this kind of intro price point that you do. And like an intro, like five week or a five day program, because D&D actual play is huge. Like there have been yeah. multiple network deals for things like the Adventure Zone and Critical Role hitting major mainstream status and, and kids are getting super duper into it. And then online teaching and online camps and even before COVID was, was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so smart. <laughs> and it's very, 
Very uh, fortunate that it's yeah. all come together like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the micro niche that you jumped into and the skills that you have and the skills that you're learning, because mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, like I have all these softwares <laughs> I'm cobbling together. Yeah. So for people who like many people who look at what you're doing and think like, I want to do that. Like, what would be your advice? I think that, that there's a lot. There's a whole lot. I mean, I was kind of fortunate that this teaching gig I had when we moved down here gave me a little bit of a start, like a head start on online education. So I could kind of see how that was going to work before COVID started. Could already it's weird s- that the kids that you taught then couldn't uh, figure out Zoom, but the kids you teach D&D to seem to know how it works. See, that's the thing. That is the thing <laughs> is that they are excited to come to this because <laughs> they were not excited to come to my math class. It's so, so weird that they can't oh, figure out how to use Zoom when they have Zoom, to learn geometry. Zoom doesn't work. Can we just do this tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was very helpful. I think that is a, a major bit is honestly, and that's going to be part of my process when I'm hiring folks is like, you got to be comfortable with Zoom. You have to be very comfortable with it. I mean, kids come with a natural tendency towards technology. I think anyone who's going to be doing this sort of thing at the very least. And so they're going to be ahead of you on everything. They're going to know how to set up Zoom backgrounds. They're going to be messing around with all those things. They're going to be using their voice modulator. Um, <laughs> they're going to roll a uh, hundred million dice on D&D Beyond and like crash their computers. So keeping up with them is is not possible, but you have to be confident enough in all of those things that you can manage them all at once and be there. That, that's a big deal. So getting familiar with these systems, I think, is huge. It doesn't seem like it, but like it's a thing I talk about when people want to start becoming a dungeon master for the first time is you don't have to be the expert. You have to be confident. You have to have this base level of knowledge where no matter what kind of wild thing happens, you know, you can figure it out. And teaching is the same way, right? You can say, I don't know, anytime you want, anytime you want, but <laughs> you should also be able to answer that question in a, you know, in a couple minutes of thinking or process or research. Saying I don't know and never coming back to it is a sign for the kids that you don't know and can't know. And that's that like is limiting. So yeah, building that confidence Great. is fantastic. Wow. How would you do that? Where would you get that? I mean, there's there's thankfully so many options. Yeah. Um, if you want to become an expert, uh, not an expert, but, you know, confident dungeon master, <laughs> yeah. uh, look at organized play online, like run some games online for free for strangers. That's been for me uh, the biggest thing in the world. I mean, you've put in your basically your 10,000 hours on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on running organized play. Pathfinder. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for taking time out of your day to sit in our living room. Yeah. And talk to me about your job. Right. <laughs> I'm sad that our cat didn't join us. But. Yeah, I think it's the microphones. Okay. She doesn't. She doesn't like microphones. Fair enough. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, I I wish everyone the best of luck finding your perfect job. That's our show. If you have any questions at all, please send them on over to fanfundedpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to do a special Q&A episode later this season. We might even bring on a guest to answer your question. Thank you so much to Richard Molina Weber for being our guest today. And thank you to Aubrey Turner for editing and producing this podcast. Please share this episode with a creative friend. And if you want to hear more from me, I have a free true fan finding guide and an excellent mailing list with lots of free tips over at my website, lasercampaigns.com. Lasercampaigns.com. I know my website. And never forget that the things that make you different are what really make you shine. Thank you for listening. <laughs>